Let's fucking go! Hello everybody, my name is Ian Taylor and you are listening to the Marble Car Collectors Podcast, your weekly digest of hobby goodness. I won't labour an introduction this week, for once this guest doesn't need one. So bang bang and LFG, as I'm going to enjoy this sit down with Eugene Hugh. Welcome back to the podcast, sir. Thanks for having me, as always. Hey, um, now I will say before we dig in, this is still undecided, but those on YouTube may not see your beautiful face um this episode we'll see how we go we'll see how we go um so if you're watching on youtube and there's just a little animated picture over eugene's half of the screen then that's why um so um people people know who you are if they don't they can go back and listen to the last time you're on the podcast i can't remember what episode number it was but it was in a former life um but it was about 13 months ago so How's how's the last thirteen months been since you were last on? In my opinion, it's been a a roller coaster. Um, the nationals at Atlantic City in twenty twenty two was an awesome moment for for me and the hobby uh, in general. Um, a lot of positive sentiment coming out of that. Um, felt really good about where the hobby was headed towards in at that time. Um, since then. For Marvel, what's been the big sets? Um, not much besides Fleer Ultra Avengers, right? And then, as of late, Marvel Masterpieces. Mm, mm. Um, I mean, there's been a lot, but, you know, it's the definition of big, I guess. I guess on on their scale of, like, what they consider top of the line and high yeah. end. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. standout sets. I mean, there's entry-level sets. There's always, like, uh, like to me, Marvel Annual is an amazing set, for example. Mm. Uh, but that's on, like, the lower lower end of the spectrum in terms of price point yeah and uh in you know it, it it's meant to allow more collectors into the hobby and uh it's a more accessible price point but then uh free Ultra and avengers and marvel masterpieces are the two hype sets since then right mm. and, wow has it been a, a circus <laughs> <laughs> yeah just a touch just a touch i mean of course we had allure and beginnings but everything was so close together i kind of feel like they've almost disappeared off everyone's radar uh, beginnings uh, is such a great set and um it just feels like it never had its moment to shine it never yes. it could never breathe right yeah uh because it was jammed between fleet ultra avengers on epac and then marvel masterpieces mm. so it's like oh big spend beginnings okay i can people who people who are going to spend big are like i can pause on this and we just went into you know the ecosystem now that is marvel masterpieces 2022 yeah yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, 2022. Even then, Allure also never got really got a chance to shine, right? Um, I think I think Allure will get more recognition after it gets on EPAC. Yeah, uh, but you know, just not enough people have been uh, cracking open that stuff. They're yeah. beautiful. Girl. Yeah, they are nice. They are nice. I've got some. I, I did have some here actually. In fact, no, I gave most of the box I got. Uh, I just gifted them to a fella. They're in the mail as we speak um so outside of the autos and probably the black rainbow the rest of it i'm kind of like eh. um but i tell you i tell you what else didn't get a chance to shine i mean it's still it's still kind of coming out is what if mm. i don't know if you've touched any of that but it's bloody gorgeous 
Uh, there are definitely some cards that I am targeting in that set. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, more on the high end side, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I, I think UD crushed it with that set in terms of quality. Yeah. Uh, um, they they've been uh, reaching out for feedback, and I've been giving them more and more thoughts. And uh, what if has checked all the boxes for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the one. I, I don't know if you would call it a flaw, but one thing that would like prevent it from mass appeal is that that show wasn't for everyone. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's the thing. I think you have to be an MCU uh, fanatic, but at the same time, be open to animation and then understand Marvel lore. Right. Because the, them creating those scenarios, it's f- fun as hell. And uh, <laughs> at the same time, it's very niche. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm 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 not someone who's ever really gone into animated Marvel, with huh. the possible exception of Spider Man and Iceman, Spider Man and Firestar show back in the eighties. Um, but I I I I've I mean I've watched the first episode, maybe the first two episodes of it, but I always used to get the What If comics. So the concept for me, I I'm 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 a hundred percent take my money now on the concept. Um, mm. And what I love is the fact that while it's an MCU set, they've leaned into Marvel card lore to make mm-hmm. it work. So the Marvel Universe 1990 crossover, I think, is absolutely amazing. I love the fact that they've brought in the medallions. Yep. Um, I love the fact they brought in Black Diamond, although I'm probably going to regret that. Well, my wallet is sooner <laughs> or later. Um, the acetate are beautiful and clean. Um, nine times nine, 81 card set right there. Um, and the battle spectrum, I can't. Oh, yes, I do have one here. Um, which are actually going to go in my binder with my masterpieces 2022. Yeah, I mean, for me, I love that they took they basically did a what if set, hmm. not on the show, but like what if these cards were on different inserts? Yeah, and yeah. honestly, you know, I, I thought it was better thought and planned out than Fluid Avengers. You might even argue that. In terms of set design, it probably was more thought out than Marvel Masterpieces. Mm. Um, we can talk about that later. But, you know, mm. I, I, for example, I, I hated the fact that they brought Preserved Amber for uh, Marvel Masterpieces. Yeah. Uh, that's almost like a what if insert. <laughs> <laughs> almost is, isn't it? It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. They came out so close together, one influenced the other. Well, something about what if people don't even realize um, High Gloss, which is the out of 10 parallel, um in hockey is one of the the most coveted uh parallels in hockey oh uh, really they they brought it to what if yeah and it's kind of just like sliding under the radar and yeah. in reality it's like a beautiful stunning card that is that like the one per pack one no it's an out of 10 uh, ah okay they for the you know the one that looks like the hockey parallel with the little photo uh yeah so this is the this is the the regular Yep, power, and then there's an yeah. out of ten version of that, and that's like the high gloss. Oh wow, okay, yeah, yeah. these are these are. I mean, there's a couple of characters I might I might go. I mean, the Watcher. I mean, whatever set you're going to get the Watcher in. I mean, so they yeah. took that design from um, Upper Deck Series One and Series Two. Yeah, is uh, basically their 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 annual set for their hockey. Mm. And uh, I love that design. That specific year's design is what they used. Yeah, and it's it's beautiful. I love the picture in picture. Yeah, um, and then in hockey, the out of ten parallel for that has always been coveted. Mm. Okay, well, I, I didn't get one of those. 
in my box but um yeah i got a lot of cool stuff and i'm 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 trading it well so that's cool um so let's talk about so we had last week we had amanda on um and there's connective tissue here so for those who didn't pick up from last week's show you went to the national in it was in chicago this year that's that right yeah it was yep. my third national yep okay uh and amanda went as well i think that was her second i want to say I think she, she went to the Atlantic. She's been to three, but this, this ah. she went this one back to back. She went to okay. one a long time ago. I, I was listening to your podcast earlier this week. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah, I think that's what she said. I, I don't even remember when I had the conversation with her. So it was very <laughs> early when I recorded. Um, it wasn't even dark. It wasn't even light, actually, when when we sat down to record that. Um, so, and this is the back to back one. So last year, people can go back and listen to this. You went to the National and you just took a lot of your high-end stuff um so basically a mat uh, let me rewind slightly so i muffed up that connectivity so you did a panel this year at the national an upper deck panel um and i think the kind of hook was bangers and base cards because amanda's you know all about the base cards the exclusive the junk wax as she refers to it the 90s stuff as well um whereas your collection is very high-end very unique important pieces um and you took those to display last year so this year did you do the same again was that so to walk you through it in 2022 um i brought my spider-man collection overall as a whole um gotcha. mainly from the high uh, the high-end range but if you remember in 2022 that was like right after all of this like pmg and jambalaya sports hype Mm. whatever you want to call it, pump and dub misinformation, but it was, it was hype. Yeah. There was a general uh, excitement around those cards, but it sort of felt like the hobby was transforming to, Oh, Marvel cards is just PMGs. But yeah. Way more than that. And at that time, no one was talking about Marvel masterpieces. So I showed, um, I showed the PMGs and uh, the sports cards and sketches and other high end, but I also showed the full range of my Marvel Masterpieces Spider-Man collection, which should be the most completionist collection for Spider-Man and uh, for modern Marvel Masterpieces. Mm -hmm. And I think that got a lot of excitement. A lot of people came by. and was like, whoa, I didn't know these cards existed. Uh, this is so cool. Like, uh, so how much is something like this worth? And to me, it's priceless. Mm -hmm. um, so fast forward a year later, um, Upper Deck reached out. And wanted to uh, showcase EPAC exclusive cards. Um, due to a COMC mishap, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they weren't able to ship my cards in time. Uh, uh, even though I paid for like overnight shipping, it, it was it, it was a misunderstanding. But it, like that wasn't shipped in time. So once again, I brought the mass the Marvel masterpieces Spider Man collection. I did that for. Thursday and Friday, the first two days, and then Saturday and Sunday, I displayed uh, EPAC achievements. Oh, uh, so basically, like hundred X combines, like the Rainbow Web Foils. Uh, yeah. I, showed, in my opinion, the most popular slash most important characters in Spider-Man Metal. So, it kind of told a story together. Mm. Um, I showed Future Watch achievements, which oh. are super cool, and it, you know, I don't want to like disregard um the sports and marvel crossover but future watch is huge in sports so i showed that as well but it was just more about once again showing that you no know, marvel cars has range mm. and then um 
Amanda showed her uh, EPAC achievements next to me, and she kept on joking, like, oh, yeah, you are showing all, like, the bangers, and I'm just showing the bass. And then <laughs> while we were on the panel, she was like, oh, we're basically bass and bangers. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because there's no wrong way to collect. No. Uh, the way Amanda collects is, you know, she collects uh, bass cards, but she likes to grade them. Yeah. She likes to find, you know, gem mint or mint copies of uh, a mass produced card which actually yeah. it, it, it produces its own level of rarity right mm -hmm. and then for me the way i collect is i i like to collect in the high end spectrum in terms of rarity um i like to find cards that are uh out of 99 or less or considered ssp uh yeah. super print um so it was a lot of fun showing that the balance between us two and i i think the crowd and you know, people who tuned into the live stream uh, definitely enjoyed the honest conversation. Mm. Yeah, no, I did. It was, it was up on YouTube for a short while, um, but I, I cheekily downloaded it. But I'm not <laughs> going to release it because I realised it was on your Instagram and it wasn't, it wasn't meant to stay there. Um, but I, 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 um, yeah, I very much enjoyed that. Uh, it's about half an hour long, if I remember correctly. Um, so, what would you say? Just actually, no, just, just rewind slightly. On the panel, how many – it's difficult to get a sense of it because obviously the, the, the phone or the camera was facing you two on the stage with uh, – I think it was Dylan from Up and Down. Mm -hmm. How many people were in the kind of audience for that? Oh, wow. Um, off the top of my head, it was a decent amount. I would say it was about 30-plus people. Oh, cool. Okay. It was definitely a, a nice turnout. And there were people from MCCW there, um, people who I met at the convention, like, you know, during Thursday or Friday. And then I was like, hey, I'll be speaking later. And they actually came by. Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, Pancake Analytics was there, uh, who I met during oh. that. And I couldn't say anything better about that guy. He he was awesome. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was, it was fun. It was great to be able to connect uh with people about marvel cards and genuinely share my passion and interest mm -hmm. um what would you say because i remember i'm not going to go over it people can go back and listen to it but i remember you you describing the reaction to what you showed at national 2022 um and obviously the immediate hook and gravity was towards the cards that people knew especially from the sports side and there was a bit of an educational curve with the masterpieces kind of lens. How was 2023? What kind of responses were you getting? And obviously, I know that you you, you showed a kind of a different set Thursday, Friday, and then I'm guessing your comp delivery arrived. Is that what happened? Yeah. Is that yeah. where you swapped it out? Right. So it did arrive eventually. Um, so what was the difference in kind of reactions like a year so, on? So I had a booth to sell this time. Okay. Uh, so I had a table that I shared with my buddy, uh, par for par for the course cards, um, who's you know I I call him my big brother in cards, big brother in life, uh, <laughs> uh, and you know we shared a table, and I showed one showcase of sports cards and I showed one showcase of Marvel cards. Okay. Last year I didn't sell anything until the last day, and I only carved out like a small little section for sale just because so many people were coming by and asking and a lot of people were asking for their kids um and last year i sold a ton of you know mcu stuff 
Mm. I sold a, t- a ton of Black Diamond um, while I was at the National. This year, I sold almost exclusively sketches. Oh, like, interesting. It's super interesting. So this year, I brought a nice mix of, you know, uh, from low end to high end, but I, I, I had out Black Diamond. I had out, like, one of one stuff. I had printing plates. I had sketches, et cetera, et cetera. And the most in demand and it was easily my sketches. That's interesting. So it was That's really, really it was really yeah. cool to see how like that demographic has shifted. Yeah. Um, and it was really interesting to me that it wasn't just the cheap stuff that was going. Like, like people were coming and buying high end stuff, and I was like, oh, the hobby is changing. Um, it's cool to see this. You know, I, I'm not a data guy like uh, Pancake, though I, at least not to his extent. Yeah. But it was cool to absorb that and see how you know the demographic has shifted. And no one asked me for precious metal gems. Nobody asked me for Marvel masterpieces at my table. And I think that has to do with being at a national sports convention. Yeah. Um, but it seems like there's a there has a a, a change in sentiment towards sketch cards. There's appreciation there. Wow. Okay. Of all the things that I thought you were going to say, that was the least. Yep. <laughs> that, was, that was probably the last on my list. I wonder where that's come from. Then that's that's interesting because there've been there've been less in the products, certainly in the last year, and we've we've not been short of products, but there've definitely been less out there. Um, so I think of it this way: like when people buy sketches, they and they buy it online. It's you're not. It's not possible to truly appreciate the full work. No. Because you don't get to see like the texture. You don't get to see like the actual color. Like who knows mm. like what kind of lighting was used for the photos. Um, and you also don't, you also, it's hard to showcase all your sketches for sale, right? Uh, meanwhile, at a show, you can have it all laid out. You can have that interaction. People can flip through your pile. Yeah. I think a stack like this, but showcased, and people were just going through it. I'll show them one by one and like, oh, I want this one. I want this one. Um, and there's also less price resistance at a show mm. um, because there's there's people who are thrift shopping, value shopping. But then there's also people who are like looking to spend, looking to find, you know, I want to walk away from the show with something. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like a souvenir. Like, I think I might have talked about it on uh, last year's podcast, but one of my goals every year, which has unfortunately not been achieved this year is to walk away from the show with one Michael Jordan PSA 10 card. Like that's, that's one of the things I collect and that market has just gotten so out of control that I can't, I couldn't even find one that I liked at an affordable price. Um, But I'm sure other people feel the same way, right? Like, Hey, I want to walk out of this show with uh, something for my PC. Yeah, absolutely. Sketches have been very fluid for people. Like, Hey, I love this art because art is subjective. Like, yeah. that I might find priceless, you might find to be 40 bucks. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. That's um, as the 30 plus sketches on my eBay account <laughs> aren't moving anywhere, which uh, that's definitely the case. Um, so when you, um, when you were getting into your high end stuff, I'm just going to segue slightly. What kind of, and I think we touched on this last year, but it's relevant. What kind of learning curve did you go through that told you that this was high end? And how important was that process to you? 
Mm. I want to get into I want to get into talking about like education of people as to you know what the hobby is because there is that crossover. You know, there's the Future Watch, there is the um, the hockey style parallels, and that you know there is that crossover and connective tissue. Um, but it seems to me that those two worlds are starting to become familiar with each other now from from what you're saying so if you're yeah. coming in from the sports side or from no side whatsoever and you want to get into the hobby what kind of education process did you go through and what what would you think would be relevant for people who are coming in now so something i think i talked about on the podcast last year and i talked about it at the upper deck panel like again i don't speak too much publicly uh especially about cards mm. Um, but one thing that I, I think I'm consistent on and, and I constantly echo is curation. Yeah. Um, and that, that applies to anything I buy. Right. Um, I, I, I think I've said this, but I come from nothing. Uh, my family comes from nothing. They're uh, blue collar immigrants. That's right. Um, I went to public school my whole life, even university, um, I remember my first job, I, I my first internship, I had like a service department with a maid meet with maid service and i was like i might never live this good ever again that's how i thought you know? <laughs> like but that, I, I don't take things for granted yeah of course. And because of that i'm very careful with how i uh, use my disposable income uh so for me absorbing information and you know making as few reckless mistakes as possible is crucial in my life mm. uh otherwise otherwise for me at some point i just have to stop collecting um, so for me, when it comes to curating high end, it's absorbing information and knowing what you want to collect, what you think is important and what you want to exhibit. And when I say exhibit is like, what do you want to show the world? Like, what do yeah. you want people to see of your collection? What do you want them to think of it? Um, people don't know. And I think I said this before, like I, probably have one of the biggest precious metal gems collections in the world uh at least in terms of key cards mm. um and not once not once did i go out and post or comment and say hey these cards are incredibly important incredibly valuable and that like you should buy it now it's a good investment right uh because that's not that's not what high-end collecting actually is um what high-end collecting is finding cards that you deem important and showing it to the world and letting them see your taste and whether they agree or not, see if there's traction. Mm. I think uh, one of the most recent Instagram accounts is this high-end sports collector called Kimmy Yang. Kimmy and okay. um, And that person may possibly have the most high-end Jordan collector, most high-end basketball exquisite collection in the world and it was never revealed until 2023 like oh wow people didn't know this account existed on instagram um and just by the sheer importance of these cards like people started freaking out and sharing uh posts and uh following and you know that account has become an aspiration for many sports collectors for marvel um that i said this before the information is so fragmented right yeah like uh a, a whole bunch of us collected 90s cards and you had people saying oh 90 1990 mc what is it marvel universe cards is like mm. uh the rookie cards for marvel it's absolutely not 
<laughs> uh, one, I hate the term rookie cards uh, for Marvel because none of these characters were drafted by a team. None of these characters, you know, uh, <laughs> were signed to a team. Uh, <laughs> but there's first appearance cards, right? And like the first Marvel cards are 1966 tops. And that mm. almost is like glazed over and people don't talk about it. Mm. Um, and then what, what was my point here? Ah, so for, for so this is about the misinformation, misinformation there, but also in the 90s, you have genuinely rare and coveted cards. Mm. Um, you have like the, the sketch graphs, you have 1995 Mirages. Uh, a lot of new collectors don't know but 1996 marvel masterpieces is not a high print run that's a that's a really difficult set to piece together and yeah there's why to this day a master set you know is going to probably run you minimum 2500 dollars. yeah um there's stan lee sketches uh there's you know there's such cool stuff in the 90s and people don't even know about it now fast forward and I'm going to skip over the, the Ridden House and 2008 Marvel Mass pieces. There's a 2007. But the reason Five. why I'm skipping over it is because <laughs> I'm not an expert in it. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know much about it. Uh, and, oh, that's another misconception. I've only been in the hobby for four or five years. <laughs> uh, well, oh, in the Marvel side, you mean? On the Marvel side, yeah. Yeah, because I know you were in sports before, weren't you? Yeah. I've been collecting cars since I was, you know, it's 31 years now. Wow. Um, in different capacities yeah uh, but for marvel like and taking marvel seriously and spend in terms of expenditure it's been four or five years mm. and i remember when i came into this hobby uh more recently i knew nothing in, in the sense of like oh what sets are out there uh what do people like um but it i never it never really mattered to me what people like because at the end of the day it's my money and what i yeah. want to spend it on yeah um and i like i've said i i'm just a boy from queens uh who loves spider-man so i collect spider-man cards and it just so happened at that time on epac fear ultra spider-man was still a thing <laughs> and widely accessible and you know uh and this was pre-covid this is pre-covid mm. people just weren't collecting at at the volume that they are now and you know uh spending what they are now so very blessed right right place right time uh but i, I remember seeing uh marvel masterpieces cards and like people knew that i was like a high-end free ultra spider-man collector and they're like why don't you collect marvel masterpieces yeah i'm like well i collected as a kid i like the cards as a kid uh what's so special about the current sets and wow finding out that you know all the base cards are numbered mm -hmm. uh all of it is original art again. Um, and I'm like, whoa, this is the flagship product of Marvel. How come people don't know about it? And people don't know this because I rarely get a chance to talk about it. But I, the first uh, Marvel Masterpieces card I bought was uh, Simone Bianchi, if I pronounce the name correctly. Yeah. Uh, um, Magneto Gold Signature. Oh, uh, nice. Wasn't an expensive card. I, yeah paid like two bucks for it on comc uh but i absolutely adore that uh magneto art that specific card and i was like wow this card is stunning um and i was like okay i'm gonna dive into this a little more and then i started falling in love with the spider-man and wolverine from that set um so i started buying up uh wolverine 
or uh, the orange and the purples, the out of 99, out of 199, just yeah. because I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford a, a tier four even back then. Um, and you know, I because I was I was so heavy into Future Spider Man, like most of my disposable income was going there. How, like, how do I shift that money into mm. a set? Uh, and over time, you know, obviously, right place, right time. Um, got the Marvel Masterpieces 2018 Red Spectrum of Spider Man, and I really vaulted me into that Marvel Masterpiece collecting world ecosystem and wanting to learn more about it. I bought that card. And at that time, it, I, I don't need to hide this because it was on eBay, but I think I paid somewhere between 3,500 to 4,000. Um, and I remember it's the post is still up in uh, on the Facebook group on in MCCW. And there were people saying that I overpaid. <laughs> Uh, and there were people. It was a comment saying, you know, uh, oh, it, this happens all the time. People overpay and end up selling it uh, for less later. Uh, sorry, that card will probably live with me, you know, for a very long time. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, it, it's almost crucial to my collection, right? It's uh, mm. a cornerstone of my collection. And once I obtained that card and I received it in person, I was like, this is an incredible card in terms of aesthetics in terms of importance and how do I collect more of it? So then I started learning more about how the set came to be. So I started learning about 2016 yeah. and Obesco, um, who in my opinion is, might be one of the most important people to exist in the Marvel hobby. Yeah. Because Marvel Masterpieces 1992 um, took Marvel card collecting into a different world. Yeah. And based on all accounts of, you know, the 1990s, the based on all accounts of the 2016 Marvel Masterpieces collectors, they, a lot of people came back just to collect that set. Um, I wasn't around. I wasn't around 2016. I wasn't around 2018. So I didn't get to see the frenzy that existed back then, but I've only heard, you know, personal uh, recaps <laughs> from other collectors that collected that set. And I can see that passion and fervor. Uh, the same way I see it for every Marvel masterpiece set since. Yeah, you you saw with Simone, uh, Dave Palumbo ha had all of these Magic the Gathering collectors come into the space. Uh, Dando Santos clearly has uh, a grip on the hobby right now, um, and it's beautiful to see. Mm -hmm. um, it's beautiful to see, and you know, I, I wish, I wish that could be translated to you know, uh, the general public for mass adoption. Yeah. Because it's not translated well. Um, I think that was one of my takeaways from uh, the national. The enthusiasm for Marvel was less this year than uh, 2022. Interesting. And uh, the, the people were coming like, oh, you're still showing Marvel cards. Didn't that, like, didn't those cards die? Like people were, you saying describing the, the the hobby in that way, I'm like, what part of it died? <laughs> like, oh yeah, all these people lost uh, money on uh, precious metal gems, and uh, they uh, feel terribly about it. I'm like, well, they should have probably did some research. Mm -hmm. They probably should have understood speculating bubbles in any alternative assets, whether it's cards, uh, crypto, watches, sneakers, whatever it is. There bubbles happen. Unfortunately, bad players and you know manipulation happens. Unfortunately, uh, but if you look at precious metal gems today, compared to where they were five years ago, that floor is still significantly higher. 
Oh, yeah, much. Multiples, multiples higher. Mm. So nothing died. I would just say there was a regression or correct the means. Mm. Yeah. I know that was a long rant, um, but we were talking about high-end cards and you know how I go about collecting them. Um, for me, I'm a character collector, but collecting Spider-Man, as you can imagine, is not affordable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like doing it's like doing the hobby on insane mode on a video game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a will. Uh some people may think so, but uh, at the end of the day I have I have I don't I don't own my apartment. I uh have a wife that I love and would like to take care of. Um I have other aspirations outside of cards. Um and there's only so much I can put in terms of expenditure towards cards. Mm -hmm. Um I'm very, very blessed and in the sense that I was early. And I don't yeah. think people coming into the hobby now, I don't think it's fair to say that they're early. They may be early, but they might be like 30 years early, right? Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, when I came into the, the hobby, I was two, three years early. There's a big difference. Yeah. Like for me to see that exponential growth in the value of my collection, that happened in a very short amount of time. For people who coming in today and you know spending eight hundred dollars a box buying singles at these prices today, mm. that to see the same re return in terms of percentage might be a very very long yeah, time. Yeah, we know it's, it's going to be plateaued for a bit, right? And this is, there's and, a lot of product out as well, masterpieces aside. There's a lot out there. Yeah, and it, it comes into like when I came into the hobby, the amount of collectors boomed. Mm. Do we see that boom now and within the next five years? I, I know like Upper Decks and Fanatics probably sure hope so, yeah. but uh, in reality, it's going to be ticks, right? Yeah. Aiming for 5, 10, 20% growth year on year. I, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure these brands would be ecstatic with 20% growth year on year, but it's just cool. not feasible. Uh, or not sustainable, sorry. Feasible, is, it's definitely possible, but at some point it's going to be like, okay, how does the hobby move in lockstep? Mm. So going again, I was very lucky. Um, and I was able to collect characters outside of Spider-Man as well. I collect other top characters. I collect other uh, sketch cards from top, people who are considered top artists today. Um, like I was buying Ash Gonzalez sketches like week one of Marvel Masterpiece 2020 because I recognized the art and I was like, these sketches are going to be huge. And mm. lo and behold, yeah, <laughs> mm. uh, you know, his market uh, boom in multiples. Um, so I'm very lucky in the sense that I can trade away extras to keep adding to my collection. Yeah. Well, the, you've, got, you've got, you're in a position where you've got enough collateral that that can feed into back into the hobby. Yeah. But for people who are coming, who are joining the hobby today, I think that's very difficult. Mm. So, and I'm not saying that that should discourage them because they, they should absolutely enjoy the hobby, but I think they do have to be way more selective. Uh, I know I'm, I'm being very, very selective now because like you buy, you know, three high, three, four high end cards that, that might be your paycheck for the month. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, how do you find that balance? And yes, people can speculate. Uh, but I, I would recommend having a position on how you speculate in the sense that, and I've said this before, you know, 
collect what you love uh because even if it goes to zero or it depreciates you still love that card mm. surely i've overpaid for some cards surely i've overpaid for many things in life you know i i've i've bought art where the artist's career no longer exists uh i've bought uh nfts that or crypto that have dropped 90 percent in value um i bought sneakers that became so illiquid that okay i decided to give away to the homeless or uh decided to give away friends and family um but oh or even like <laughs> speculating on streetwear like oh i that that never really got the margin that i wanted i'll just wear it um but when it comes to cards like you have to have that same type of appreciation for the card otherwise yeah people will think the hobby died yeah because exiting and you know just taking the loss that sucks yeah um, and in america there are people who you know buy cars under llc's and that that loss can be a write off yeah but for a lot of collectors they don't operate that way no and just like that's just pure pain and you know if you're going to collect high end cards i think i would almost look at it as a high end gamble if you're doing it for speculation yeah do you um how have you changed in the last year in terms of what you decide to go for have you become um, um this is the wrong word but it's the first it's the sentiment have you become fussier and that is the wrong word uh more selective more considered extremely 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 selective especially the cost of singles today especially um the cost of wax today aka uh, boxes and packs yeah um i wouldn't be able to just like be like oh i love all these cards i'm just gonna add to cart or claim 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 and you know mm. keep on going um now it's a question of hey do i acquire something uh that i think is it will be tradable in the future or do i acquire something that is for my pc and do i want to overpay here or do i want to wait uh i think it's become almost a game right yeah and unfortunately i collect one of the most popular characters in marvel um uh, so for me it's like i'll never be able to be a completionist not in the sense mm -hmm. of like yourself or other character collectors that we great character collectors that we know oh i'm 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 starting to step off the completionist trail because it's gotten <laughs> a bit too up there for me now i mean in character club we we know so many great character collectors and like uh i think i was just talking with pancake yesterday uh and pancake told me he owns this absurd percentage of captain america uh, captain america cards that have ever been printed yes and i was like you are mad you're that you're that's a lot that's up there with with spidey oh yeah yeah yeah. i, I would say it's like uh tier 1.5 uh and and if that's the in terms of pricing and collectability yeah, uh, yeah. Not, not judging captain america as a character yeah uh, we're talking um, about we're talking about um falcon here when he becomes captain yeah <laughs> uh yeah falcon is cap um <laughs> we love but... you thank it we really do <laughs> What is my point here? Um, ah, I could never be a completionist of Spider-Man at that level. Mm. Maybe up to now, I, I have a good percentage of cards printed. But for me, I strictly collect high-end. Um, also, yeah. I, I 
in a one bedroom apartment. What you're looking at is my living room right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as you can see, there's probably not a lot of space to store cards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so for me, it's I've become very selective and I, I like to use the word tasteful and the cards and compositions that I am acquiring. For me, the art absolutely matters. Yeah. And if it's um even if it's a uh, reused comic art, which I'm totally fine with. I, I think that's an uh, I actually love that. Some some people are like, oh yeah, I only want to collect original art. I'm like, well, there's more to Marvel Cards than that. Like I I love anything with uh, you know a comic cover art or uh something that was from inside a book. Um what was my point there? Uh, but yeah, like for me, I, I have to love the image. Mm-hmm. Uh now that if I don't love the image, like I might pass on it. I might pass on it or I might collect a lower var- variant of it in terms yeah. of variant and not have to go after, you know, the out of 25s, the out of 10s, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Yeah. No, I had that with Spidey Metal. I wasn't massively enamored with either Black Cat image on that set. Um, in fact, for me, the best Black Cat card in that set is the retro animated one. And I disagree with you. And, and obviously you're the expert, but I actually love the, mm. the Black Cat High series. The um the amazing Spider Man one nine four image. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. that. I, I love that art. Uh, yeah, I think I've just sat with it for too long, and I've seen it on so many other cards <laughs> that it's kind of like, oh, give it a rest. <laughs> you know, there's her second, but you know, some of you know in the uh, issue two twenty whatever it is, there's a cover appearance where she, it, it's a it's a strong image. They could have gotten away with that, you know. Think, so. And upper deck, if you're listening. I think the amount of times you use an image yes. definitely affects the collector. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It definitely does. Um, so for me, you know, it's, it's an easier thing to say, okay, I'm not going to bust my balls going after the, I mean, I've, I've not gone after the greens for that set because they're simply above my, you know, I have a, a value threshold, you know, I won't pay over a certain amount. So recently there was a black cat, you know, and I'm mad about printing plates, as you know, um, first black cat printing plate for Masterpieces 22 dropped, and it mm-hmm. was at 700. Now, it was fairly <laughs> early on, and I've seen others since, and it it is a step up this year, you know, with yep. those values for printing plates. And I'm thinking, okay, well, yes, I'd like it, and at the time, I could afford it. You know, this is only about three or four weeks back. I could have afforded it, but I wouldn't have been able to afford things that I've acquired since. And also, I was like, that's probably almost, it would have been one of the most expensive single single items I'd have ever purchased. And I was like, I just can't do it. You know, at 700, I'm out. It's a wonderful plate, but it kind of, you know, when I think about the things, you know, in my real life, because I'm not a high owner, that I could do with that money instead, I'm like, I'm okay. And I know where that plate went, and I'm very happy of, you know, that the person who got it has got it. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's in a good home. And the thing is, I know where it is. I know it's being looked after. And I'm okay with that. You know, I'm, you know, I don't have to own every single plate. I'll tell you something funny. Um, so you you were saying earlier, like, hey, uh, how has the hobby changed for you since? Hmm. I think the more and more people realize that I, I collect Spider-Man and Miles Morales, um, I also collect a slew of other characters, but you know, obviously, can't be a completionist or yeah. 
like high end for everyone. Um, but for those two characters, I've seen people unfortunately come to me and ask for prices that are multiples of what it's worth on the market value. And I think that comes with and it comes with as the hobby grows, right? Yeah. Like at this point, people probably think that oh steve aoki's the premier wolverine collector so if i have a high-end wolverine card i'm just going to move it to him um <laughs> uh, and then the same way they probably think oh uh there's multiple uh, high-end spider-man collectors there's my exit liquidity if i pull something big um but every spider-man collectors collects different things yeah um, and and it's kind of gross that you look at someone as exit liquidity Mm. Right, um, because something that's not talked about enough clicking high end is it's really about your network. Yes. It's about your network of friends. Um, it's how you've treated people in the past. Um, it's you know whether you want to maintain that relationship. A lot of the cards that I've obtained, I wouldn't be able to do so without developing that bond or having that pre-existing connection yeah. with the other collector and it's not about paying the most like I, I i believe me i offer top value for the cards that i'm trading for but it's also hey has that other collector helped me in the past have i had a lot of transactions with them in the past do they come to me to place their cards like do i want to cash them out here right mm-hmm. um am i grateful that they're even offering this to me yes you know, uh, I have cards of characters that are very, very high end. Um, and I have friends that I've literally said, hey, if I ever move this card, I will offer to you first. Mm. You know, because that's it, at the end, of the day, I'm a collector and I want to respect and appreciate other collectors. Yeah. But it feels like the hobby has changed to the point where like, oh, I'm going to you know, acquire this card so I can ask for this multiple later on, or this is percentage more uh, over on from this collector, from that collector. And it's like, yeah, you can do it that way. But then I remember. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, like notes will be taken. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. No, I, it's interesting. It's interesting that I've always, I've always been a believer that, and I've said this to people who've come into the group new and said, okay, how do I, you know, some people have asked, you know, how can I trust to to sell on Facebook and to, to do this and to do this transaction? It's like, well, obviously, you know, there's the obvious ones like PayPal goods and services and you can ask for vouchers and stuff. You know, but I always say to people, it's about building that network. It's about building that kind of community of people that you know and people that you trust. Um, and it's it's an interesting thing in the last year there have been some people that have left the hobby because they're just not happy with the 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 changes in the hobby um and there have been some people that have stepped off of that trust circle you know by choice or by necessity or whatever you know they've 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 moved out of that space um so i think it is very interesting how many personality changes there have been over the last year um and people have made choices i think 
you know people have chosen to go in different directions with their collections um what i find is interesting is um we did have uh, this to touch on what do you th what do you think because content so let me let me re rewind when i started this podcast with norin back in 2000 and fuck what year are we in 2009 so this is like four years over four years old now no Wait, one was really making what's that sorry you said 2009 did you mean 2019 <laughs> i did thank you i've lost a decade okay. somewhere it's been like, that oh, kind of year <laughs> it's been that kind of year i've lost a decade <laughs> um oh, okay and um so there wasn't anyone else out there making uh talking about uh marvel cards really you know, I mean, there were there were groups, there were communities. There wasn't any anything out there. Fast forward, there's loads of people doing it. Okay, so what would you say the biggest? And obviously, that, that, that there was a period where a lot of people who created content who weren't from the Marvel scene started talking about Marvel cards, and that that's slightly different. What would you what would you say that the impact has been of? I'm hesitant to use the word influencer, even though that's what there's a perception that that some of them do um i've always found it an odd word and i've someone's called me it recently and i'm like really am i i don't know but anyway what do you think the impact of that content creation has been on existing and also new people coming into the hobby so this is probably why i told you that i didn't want my uh my face on the the youtube or recorded video uh <laughs> okay because I think you may have seen in the last two minutes my face like completely warp and drop uh, because talking about this gets me so emotional, right? Um, first of all, you were saying that like the change in change in behavior of the hobby and, you know, people who, you know, you, that fell out of circles of trust. And it's just like there are so many people in the hobby that I trusted that have burned me. Um, and it's really unfortunate to see, right? Because uh, I, people can say a lot of things about me and a lot of them may be valid. You know, I'm not, um, I'm a person that once you're in my inner circle, I treat you like your blood. Mm -hmm. uh, but I am now a very cautious and wary person and it's almost PTSD. Right. Um, and I think it's because I have been burned by people who I consider friends. Uh, people I've had like phone calls with, people I've uh, had meals with, people who I've uh, traded big cards to that I normally wouldn't. And similarly, they've helped me. Uh, but for whatever reason, for whatever uncommunicated reason, people change and, you know, make decisions that leave your circle for good. Um. I felt like that was therapy there. Uh, but <laughs> we talked about that. And um, all I have to say about that, because I know, you know, you've been impacted and uh, I know this hobby has taken its toll on a lot of us that have been in here the last couple of years is that thankfully there are still good people in the space and um, it makes you want to value them and keep them in your circle even more, which as a segue um, you're talking about influencing influencers and content creators and content creation. I think it's almost become too clicky. Um, it's almost become 
collectors versus content creators, uh, which is very odd to me, right? There should be that overlap. But uh, people who have the podium now don't want to have the podium and debate. They don't want to deal with a civil conversation or facts or uh, being corrected or, you know, <laughs> uh, getting educated. Uh, I'm Again, I've only been in the hobby four or five years and I am not an expert by any means. But, you know, much like the reason why uh, a celebrity was able to become the president of the United States in 2016, it's due to mis misinformation. Mm. Like, and that is a huge problem in Marvel. And I think it's one of the reasons why, in my opinion, we're still maybe a decade plus away from seeing this space mature. Um, there's just so many opportunities, so many people who are, you know, creating their own narrative that they lose sight of the power of their words. Mm. Right? They lose mm -hmm. sight of the power of their actions because so many people that are new to the space and as as the hobby grows and more pe more people enter, they take what you say at face value. Yeah. So hashtag with great power comes great responsibility. Um, the reason why we had a precious metal gems bubble was one, there was a market maker and two, a lot of, lot of misinformation, right? Um, we saw this bubble with sketches at one point. We saw this bubble with sketchographs. We saw this bubble with, um, what was a, a interesting one? With exquisite cards from mm -hmm. Marvel Jet. Uh, <laughs> with holograms right now from Marvel Beginnings. Why do these bubbles exist? And I, I would argue that Marvel Masterpieces 22 right now is in a bubble. Um, and we can talk about price relativity and uh, you know how to think about that later in this conversation but um if you do your own research these people who are pushing this narrative they're probably wrong more more times than they're right and you know it's when people do content on like hey this sold for this much exclamation point rocket 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 like okay it sold for that much but did it get paid how much did the next one sell for? Are you highlighting? Are you highlighting the the minus eighty percent cliffs? Mm. <laughs> uh, or exception. Yeah. That one big sale mm. and generating euphoria and excitement, and then people get wrecked. Um, and I'm not saying I'm not saying these uh, content creators or influencers have an ulterior ulterior motive. Some may, and you know, it's not for me to prove. Um, um, but I think they don't understand the power of their words. Um, and that's why for me, when it comes to anything, when, when again, whether you're buying contemporary art at a gallery or auction house, whether you're paying a uh, resale for a sneaker, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, when you're buying a used car, um, do your own research. Yeah. Because if you're not seeing the context of these prices or like the facts, um you're it's on you mm. right like mm. it, it's it's one yeah you can blame the the content creator influencer but at some point the buyer or the collector needs to 
take responsibility for oh, their actions. Absolutely, yeah. The, the personal responsibility and taking account of that is 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 uh, has been lacking um, in a number of areas. Um, I think over the past couple of years, um, especially for actions on social media. But that's, that's almost an entirely different conversation because, good lord, people lose their shit. Um, no, I've, I'm. It, I just want to come back to that masterpieces bubble thing. Mm. I, now I I was I say I was around I was collecting in 2016 when masterpieces lucky came you. back um, and I got free boxes I got free boxes from Ed Webb um, and I stretched to buy those boxes because um, my daughter wasn't yet one year old and you know we needed we needed the cash so I think I sold I think I sold quite a lot of comics actually to afford them and if I told you how much they were now it's less than the price collectively of one box of Masterpieces 22 at release point in, in the market we're in so uh, it's weird how seven years changes um, and I was utterly green about that set when it came out now to a degree a lot of people were because we'd never seen anything like it you know we'd never seen that set format before we didn't know what was going to go on, you know, what was going to go on, how it was going to play out. You know, I, I remember getting a um, uh, a signed card, you know, with the certificate of authenticity. And I remember trading it. And at the time, you know, I traded that and other things. And I got stuff that I, you know, I'm happy I own. So I have no regrets about what I did and didn't do with that initial free boxes. But I was ready. 2018 when it came out and at that point I'd not long set up MCCW and MMC and the interesting thing with 2018 and with 2020 and 2022 there's all I, I've perceived there is always a little bit of a bubble around the release but mm. this year feels amplified if, for some reason and maybe it's because the price point at, at, that's available to people that release is higher so it's kind of taken it to the next level um but again, this comes down to. I think this comes down to that. There's one thing that education won't won't give you, and doing your research won't give you. It's the experience, because mm -hmm. knowledge. Yeah, you know, what's the what's the saying? Knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Okay, so I know now. I mean, I've I've done some trades, and I've got you know a decent start on masterpieces. You know, that's my masterpieces 2022 start. That's maybe you know a fifth of what I'll end up with. Um, and I'm very happy with that start, but I'm happy to play the long game because I'm not going for that limited stuff. I'm not going for the, the higher end thing. So there comes a point where with this, it's about, okay, who do you turn to to talk about that from an experience point of view? You know, where do you go? And, you know, what, what advice do you seek? And I think... So one, I think the art for Marvel Mass Pieces 22 is phenomenal. Yes, uh, absolutely. It's it's stunning. Um, the set is diluted, and I, I don't think you can argue that, right? Uh, the the print run of the boxes has expanded. There's more parallels. Yes. Um, Upper Deck went out of their way to find another one through 90 parallel, which is the preserved embers. Um, there's just more ways to collect the set now. And, and the, uh, uh, the, was it the, was it, was it Emerald? One, one of 25? Is that what yes. it's called? Emerald? Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, yes, there's uh, new parallels, and uh, you know, um, because of the increased print run, uh, there's probably more mirages now. Um, they've made uh, tier four gold six uh, easier to get, mm. so that's a higher print run. There's, there's about so, five times more of those this one. Any way you slice the cake, the the set is diluted compared to previous sets. That's not a bad thing, not by any means. Um, but I've actually had arguments with like good friends and uh <laughs> shop owners uh shout out to nt keith um that the the secondary singles for um marvel masterpieces 22 doesn't make sense right now and in my opinion it's not sustainable and here's what um and, and i could completely be wrong here mm -hmm. and you know for the sake of the people who have bought in early Man, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but here's the thing. If Marvel Masterpieces 16, 18, and 20 have already released, and there's precedent for um, cards with the similar rarities, right? For Silver Spectrum models, for what-if autos, for printing plates. If there is a precedent for these prices, and Marvel 2022 prices are in multiples of that, literally like in, in some cases more than 2x um what happens first mm -hmm. the, the previous sets catch up or do does marvel 2022 regress to the means um in my opinion it's much more likely that 2022 regresses to the means because it's not going to be the last marvel masterpiece set no we'll see another one in one or two years we'll see other sets that are in demand. Um, and there's actually a lot of product that UD is putting out that I am excited for, uh, even on the high end spectrum, and which I can't talk about here. But UD has dropped their breadcrumbs. Um, and what's my point here? Ah, so like for something to hold its value and appreciate, it needs a strong collector base, right? Um, there, there's a reason why uh, Pressure Metal Gems, even though it has crashed from the euphoria highs, is still is still much higher than where it was years ago. We're talking about exponentially higher. Yes. The reason why there is is there's act, an actual collector base. Mm. Either you hate the way <laughs> you know these collectors talk about the cards or not, there's an actual collector base. And for Marvel Masterpieces 16, 18, and 20, I think 16 and 18 have a collector base. 16 especially because of the bridge between 92 and 16. Yes. And the fact is that set has been around the longest for the modern Marvel Masterpiece. So there are collect there's an, an actual genuine collector base there. Mm. And when I mean genuine, I mean there are people to this day that are trying to complete that set. Yes. They're trying to like pick up singles and add to I'm their still cards. doing tier four purple. Sure. And you know, there's still cards I'm looking for. Mm. Like with, with the collection that I have, there's still cards I'm looking for. Um, 18, I wasn't around and I, but I also know who the big players are in 18 and I know what they have and I know uh, what they have accumulated. Um, I'm still adding 18. Like I know other people are, uh, but there isn't as, as, 
much depth in the base as there is to, to 2016. I think that's a fair statement to say. Mm-hmm. And that's not a knock on the set at all. Mm. I, I think Simone is like effing incredible. And I've you know, met the guy and I think he's such a talented painter. Uh, but it's just a matter of fact that in the year's releases, that one isn't as collected as 2016. No. Maybe maybe that could completely change, right? I, I have to say, I mean, even though I've completed my set yeah. of 2018, I'm still buying 2018 because I'm really enjoying now picking up graded copies just to have good graded displayable copies of some of the artwork because it's just you know some of the cards i just can't get away from i mean my favorite my favorite wolverine card that exists is in that set (laughs) i mean both of them and i'm not a wolver i'm not a massive wolverine collector by any stretch of the imagination i'm not really an x-men guy um but, I love both uh, examples, uh, the base and the canvas. I think. Yeah, no, exactly, both of them. And I, I have, I have days when it's, it's like, it's like having twins. One day you hate one of the little fuckers, and one day you love the other one. It, it changes. Um, but yeah, and I think, I think twenty twenty will. Twenty twenty. Let me talk to you about twenty twenty. Twenty twenty is, in my opinion, when this started to change. Mm. Right, that's when you saw much more people enter the hobby. Yes. Right. And um You had a big influx of people who didn't collect Marvel up until that point as well. Yep. More people that entered uh Marvel card collecting, more people who just started collecting Marvel masterpieces, mm-hmm. and the boxes were at an affordable price point. Okay, that's a key point here. And I have to because- say though, I have to say one one thing I didn't one thing I didn't notice on that, and I want I want this kind of documented. I remember because we were doing this podcast at the time. I remember a massive amount of 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 upset over the fact that they were the price that they were. So it's mm-hmm. interesting. You reflect back and think, oh yeah, that was that. Was not-. But at the time, it was a massive step up. I think um, for I, I think for through, through the distributors, it was a massive step up. I think Upper Dead did an incredible job on EPAC. On EPAC, yes. EPAC was... was Making it accessible. Yeah. Yes, it was still a step up. I think Upper Deck did an incredible job making it accessible. And I I know if they're listening, they're going to be like, well, the hobby has to grow. Yes, but you also have... You can't get greedy. Mm. Uh, we've seen this across all parts of the trading card hobby, mm. right? Um, I'll give you examples. Like Basketball Prism today is probably so out of whack that cards have dropped 90 percent um uh pokemon prints so much that you're no longer seeing multiples on uh the wax and singles mm. uh magic the gathering has now resorted to serial number cards to create this you know this level of rarity in order to sell their product because now there's so many people who are, who are just speculating so like yeah. but the prices of that product is not spiking tremendously either once you spike it to a point where it's 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 hard to regain liquidity liquidity to buy more when when you unable to use the hobby to sustain the hobby you're killing the golden goose yeah and upper deck if you're listening i that's that's my thought process about this um you can't control what the distributors do uh i I know a lot of collectors are like well you shouldn't allow these distributors are going to take advantage of capitalism that's just the way it is it's it's the people who are opening this product at these price points. Uh, myself included, I'm guilty. I've opened like four boxes. Uh, and also people buying into breaks. Yeah. Like people are people are sustaining those price points. If if I'm 
if I'm one of the big three online retailers, I'm like, why would I drop the price if people are still buying mm -hmm. at like three X what it was? Yeah. Why, what do I care about you if people are buying? I, I think yeah. that's unfortunately the reality of the space. Now, to the core of this, 2020 is when this cha all changed, but at the same time, prices were still affordable. So you have people who are actively trying to put it together sets of 2020. Um, but we're also going to see many years before that come into fruition where we know what the collector base is for 2020. I don't think that collector base is there right now. No. And I love David Plumble. <laughs> uh, I, I could speak, you know, for hours about how generous that man is and uh, what he has done for the hobby and how yeah. thoughtful he is in his approach. Beautiful human being. Yeah. Um, like, I, I think he he he's probably the, one of the more abstract um, Marvel painters. And I think that may not be received uh, well by, you know, traditional comic guys. Like, people who, like, collect Jusco probably can't get into Palumbo's work because it's mm. different line work. But that's what I love about masterpieces. It Absolutely. it resets the visual narrative each set. Yeah. And if it yeah. didn't do that, I think it would be doing a disservice to the masterpieces brand, in my opinion. Yes. And the same way that Dan right now, like if let's say you were into uh painterly work, and I, I mean in the sense of brush strokes, mm. like Dan may not be for you. Mm. You but if you're into color, like Dan might be and light. The light on them. I mean, light and color, he's he's stunning. I mean, he so, he's he's wax lyrical before. It's on record. You can go Google it and find it about how how much he he um, respects and and reveres the the Hildebrandt approach. And you you can see that influence. I mean, yeah. it's just I mean, lighting, just the way that it's it's done on the on stunning. the pieces. It's just yeah, yeah, it's gobsmacking. Um, but each each artist has their own strengths and weaknesses, right? Yes. And because they have their own strengths and weaknesses, they have their own collector bases. Yeah. If you notice when um, the the Greg challenge has become incredibly popular where people are posting... Uh, oh, 2016, 2018, 2020, 2022, yeah. Mm -hmm. A character from all four years. Yeah. And they rank them. I effing hate that, man. Like... Um, I mean, I like the Greg challenge. I love the channel. I don't know. <laughs> it's the response to it that I love seeing all four, four years yes. together, right? But then, like, ranking them publicly and treating it as like this is what I think, so this is the truth. Like, no, it's an opinion. Mm. <laughs> Let's make it very clear: this is an opinion, and this is mm. your opinion. That, I, I, that's perfectly fine. Mm. And then you see people saying comments like, "Well, I can't believe they have this as." the best or i can't believe they had this that's the worst i'm like well you can believe it because it's supposed to be an opinion yeah um so i personally have not commented anywhere uh you know with my rankings and hmm. thought process. i think instead of putting your ranking maybe just put what your favorite is don't insult the hmm. other artists right people are allowed to have favorites i mean regardless of what well i just express what my favorite wolverine was but <laughs> you know i'm not dissing the other wolverines it's just my favorite I mean, you can have several Chinese restaurants you like, but you probably have one that you like the most. Yeah. And people won't say it, but they don't love their kids equally. <laughs> I've only got the ones who I avoid that problem. <laughs> uh, but going back to 2022 and this whole collector base issue. Wow. Uh, 
what is going to be the collector base here with the boxes at these prices? And when it comes to putting sets together, when it comes to collecting characters, like what is it going to look like? It mm -hmm. might take a really long time for that to like formulate. Yeah. Um. So my question is, if a printing play from these previous sets, which has an actual collector base, which has comps and a market, that's 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 solidified and will move in lockstep, right? One way, either it moves down or move up, but it will be gradual. Um, if that market already exists, how can you believe that the market as it is right now will hold will sustain itself? Mm -hmm. Right? If if printing plates are two, three x of what the other sets are. And you're telling me this is a steal. This is a great buy. Uh, this has nowhere to go but up. Yeah, yeah. Like, wh wh where are you? How are you saying this? Or if, like, there's people who are like, oh, this game, this set's going to change the game. Like, the game has existed. <laughs> it's not a new game. This is, uh, <laughs> it's not a complete new set. It's literally the same sets with more parallels. Yeah. <laughs> Different art. I, I I I think one of the interesting things is that there is a there is um an element of how people react to players and sports teams, and mm. I'm not a psychologist by any stretch of the imagination, but I, for me, uh, my of 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 the masterpieces sets that have come out, the ones that are my favourites are the ones that I have the personal experience with that's been positive. So for 2007, that's when I got into Marvel cards yep. in a big way. And I, that, I have that experience because it's the last set I was able to purchase in a retail store in the UK, and I, I, I fell in love with Marvel cards. 2018 Masterpieces, for me, is that special thing because it was the first masterpieces set that came out since setting up the group simone came into the group became a part of the community we did content with him in the group so it has i, I have that record and i touched on it last week with amanda uh, for me there are sets that i will never let go because i lived and experienced them so masterpieces 2018 uh, marvel angle 2018-19 because i have memories of making friends and trading that and having a good time with it. And so that's in, I, I can't separate that from what the cards are and what the experience of the cards are. You know, so I'm that, that is, that's complete subjectivity. So I think there will always, if we look 10 years down the line, there are people who are new to masterpieces now, or it's their first masterpieces release. who will probably always say, uh, will be 2022 is my jam it's my absolute you know regardless of what masterpieces 2029 is like uh, because of that subjective you never forget your first and you know people always say you never forget your first really speaking how good was your first you know um <laughs> uh, i think you're com you're completely right here it's it's about energy right um it's something I talk about a lot with uh, my inner circle and friends uh, and family. Um, there's energy in everything you do. Mm -hmm. And 
it's whether you walk away from a person or experience with pod, positive energy. Yes. Um, and that energy can always be transferred. Can always like you can always build on it. And but just as simply, one really negative experience can wash away all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for whatever the reason is, and I, I think there are reasons that can be pointed out. Um, the hobby right now is not in a good place because there's so much negative energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the positive energy that's trying to be in its place doesn't feel like it's, you know, it doesn't feel like it's a light that's covering, that's, that's going to all of the shadows. It feels like it's a spotlight, and it's like, oh, okay, this is a uh, now. Now there's light. <laughs> now it's positive. No, it's it's literally one beam when everyone else is going through a lot of negative energy in the hobby. Mm. And I think um, for this space to mature, um, I mean, just going back to national, I remember uh, this high end collector came into me and was like, yeah, I was really into uh, uh, Marvel, but wow, like. It's crazy how negative some of these people are. And it's, uh, I'm like, well, were they negative because they were telling the truth? Or were they negative because they lost money? Like, what was the reason? And it's like, oh, yeah, they were just saying, like, this car is not worth that much. And I was like, did it end up being worth that much? And they're like, oh. Well, again, that it's, it's not that there was, like, debate and facts and criticism doesn't necessarily mean it's an argument or like it's hostile yeah right yeah uh my my mother's an immigrant my mother uh didn't grow up here she didn't have higher education um we argue a lot uh because i grew up in america and she grew up in asia and uh she'll say some statements that are completely off basis um oftentimes political or racial um and she'll be like well no that's just the way you see it and i'm like i'm like hey um what color is this piece of paper and it's a white piece of paper and she'll be like it's white i was like cool i would never tell you that this piece of paper is green and try to convince you that Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's Mm. that's not an opinion anymore like there are things that are factual and you know uh existing and it's like are you arguing are you arguing about what the color is or are you trying to force people to think the same way as you and i think that's where the hobby is right now um and i know you and i have talked offline about this um and you know without going to specifics i i think toxic positivity is bad for the hobby there needs to be room for debate. Yeah. There needs to be a little room for criticism. And, you know, I don't think it should ever get personal in a hobby, but to like add a counterpoint so that not one narrative, which might have an ulterior reason to dominate is very crucial. Um, but I think that's what you're seeing in the hobby right now. And I'm very curious where it goes from here. I, yeah. When I come back next year on your podcast, we'll see the hobby in a different space. Um, 
But right now it's like I went into this Marvel Masterpieces 22 set thinking this might be it for me. I might I might draw a line at clicking here. And I know a lot of people who have thought this way yeah. just because of a myriad of reasons, right? Uh, pricing, collectability, people who are currently dominating the narrative. Um, people are fed up. Yeah. And, you know, I, I whether that's correct or not, I it's not for me to say. Mm-hmm. But I think for the space to grow for everyone, like there needs to be a breathing room for conversation and criticism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's just my thoughts, and, I, and that's I, and that. Well, that's one of the that's one of the the, the challenges because you, it's not just Marvel cards. You get this, and you get this in virtually everything. And I see it happen on Facebook all the time, even in fairly <laughs> reason level headed groups um, and forums. Beca- because Facebook, you see someone say something, and it's like, and immediately the response comes back rather than being. Uh, a debating one with reason and facts and uh, you know it becomes a personal thing almost immediately on the response even if these people have never interacted before and it's it's and i think uh, it's a shame but i think and i've spoken about this on this on this podcast before i think that's a very specific kind of unfortunate thing that just happens by virtue of the platform um a lot at the moment um i mean i don't engage on twitter anymore simply because you know that that went that way a while ago i think it's very difficult now to have a and it's a shame and i say this as someone who set up two groups on facebook but i think it's very difficult now to have a balanced conversation on facebook um simply because the knee-jerk reaction for a lot of people is one of misreading what's being said or simply well i don't think that's in my opinion the factual one you know and people come back on that a lot so i think the difference between the the, the conversations that happen on facebook and let's say instagram mm. is moderation and, and i'm saying in terms of moderators and admin um might take too much liberties what meanwhile in instagram People will eventually check people, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's something that is completely out of line. Like other people will come in and because it's Instagram, right? There's no one that can ban you or besides, mm-hmm. unless you. Oh, well, apart from the OP. But um, it can be like, yo, that's not true. And <laughs> um, and if it gets personal, other people are like, why are you acting like this? Mm-hmm. While on Facebook, there's, I hate to say it, borderline censorship. And it's an issue where instead of having, you know, conversation and uh, room to breathe, you have people misinterpreting things. You have because it's 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 text, right? Um, it's you're not seeing a yeah. lot of people. And I'm going to be frank. Um, it seems to me Marvel card collectors are not the best communicators in the world <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, it's just there's not a lot of. Um, elegance to their prose um i was gonna say nuance but you when you came out with that word so i think we're thinking along the same lines there yeah um but that often involves a moderator stepping in and be like okay we're just shutting this down because we don't want any conflict period i think that's also unhealthy like there needs to be that like 
that moderator might need to come in and be like, hey, let's not get personal. Yeah. Hey, I'm here, but continue yeah. on. Um, and you see it these days. You see it on um, YouTube. You see it on uh, Discord. It's like, well, if you don't like this, you can leave. Like, or, uh, or on whatnot, boot you out of the uh, the mm-hmm. ch- Like, why are you talking about this? You're bringing negativity. Boom. Yeah. Oh, do they do that? I have no experience on whatnot. So, yeah. Like, if someone's questioning the value of uh, mm. these hits, it's like, well, I don't, you're here to like mess up my feed. You're a troll. Boom. Okay. Right. In Discord, it's like, I get it. You, you spend your time to manage and create that community. You don't want to deal with the headache. Fine. But that becomes an echo chamber. Mm. And unfortunately, Marvel cards hasn't gotten into a place where people can have these like healthy conversations. Mm. Um, and and I hate to say it, the real world, <laughs> there's a lot of like panels and conventions and yeah. uh, where you know people can offer differing views. You can have mm. like CEOs from different companies like have playful banter, right? Without without crossing the line, without yeah. getting personal, without it being like a warm up at a boxing match where they're reaching over the table to bash each other. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, in Marvel cards, it's like you disagreed with me. Then why are you fighting with me? <laughs> yeah i mean listen i'll hold my hand up and say that you know obviously from the prism of the groups that i created you know i didn't create them to be somewhere that that had conflict within them and um, whether i like it or not they're bigger than me or my kind of initial goals with them now whatever they were i didn't really, <laughs> beyond setting up a space where i wanted people to, to positively talk about the cards and 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 trade cross border because that's what I was lacking. So from a purely selfish group put point of view, I set up a group where people had to trade cross border. So you know that that's that's the fact of it. Um, but you know there, there there are rules to it, and I always I always say that that for, for me I always think of it like the Klingon way when right. people. What's that? I am not a Trekkie at all. No, 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 no. Well, it will make sense in a moment. Uh, where Klingons, um, uh, there's especially Star Trek and the Next Generation had this, where Klingons act with honour. Okay? okay. And they, they, they conduct themselves with honour. I'm trying to think of a typical of me to choose the one cultural reference you don't have. <laughs> it's like, um, So anyway, and that's, you know, that's always been my lens. Now, yes, granted other people can 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 take that lens and see a different thing through it um but that's always been my goal and you know i've always wanted to kind of reflect that on here you know i i won't um openly you know diss and name other people whereas i know in other content and in other groups sometimes that happens um i just choose not to to do that i might allude to things but i i, I choose not to do it because at the end of the day it's it's, you know, I'm doing this because I, I love cards and I love collecting and I love the relationships that you build and I love that, you know, the network you've talked, you know, we've talked about and I love my experiences with collecting certain sets because they're completely intertwined with the relationships that I have. So, you know, Clear Ultra Spider-Man 2017, I, we wouldn't be sitting here were it not for that set, full stop. You know, we wouldn't have the friendship that we have. And I can say the same about um, half a dozen other people in the hobby. Um, But it's difficult because you get to the point where 
okay, at what point do I pull the plug on this because someone's being an asshat? Um, because ultimately, one person becoming an asshat leads to someone else thinking, oh, yeah, I've got, I've got a green light to become an asshat as well. And it, it, it does kind of spiral. Um, anyway, I, I, didn't have a, I didn't have a point or an end game to that. I was just kind of off the top of my head in. Yeah, I don't want this uh, to get too negative. So, I mean, I'm... full circle and bringing to context why this conversation even matters is that, like, even in high-end collecting, um, critical thinking and room for other opinions is very helpful. Mm. But facts and education is equally important. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with the space today. Um, that not enough facts are present, not enough transparency is, w mm. exists with me. Um, I mean, even like, and there's multiple people to blame, right? Like even, and I love Upper Deck, but even Upper Deck has a problem here, right? Like, like for example, uh, what's her name? I believe Jury uh, Chinchilla, the artist. Oh, yeah. Had, mm cards in uh, Spider-Man Metal. And she, she, as far as she knows, they were approved. She's on the she's on the checklist, I believe. And none of them ever have surfaced. Not on not on physical, not on EPAC. Oh, interesting. And it's just like, well, were these pack inserted or not? <laughs> uh, I feel like the hobby itself doesn't operate with enough transparency. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that allows bad players to operate in the space. Um, like that's why you have aftermarket sketches. That's why you have like, or aftermarket sketches that are masquerading as packable sketches. That's why you have, um, uh, you know, people selling uh blanks that they didn't submit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Reselling blanks, Jesus. Um, and all of this comes back to the lack of transparency in the hobby and the gatekeeping involved. Which is hilarious because you and I were talking about gatekeeping offline just a couple of weeks ago, um, which also comes back to another point. Like you and I have not always seen eye to eye. We've we've no. butted um, privately, publicly. Um, yet I'm still here on your podcast today because I know ultimately you're a great person and you are a uh, major positive influence for this hobby, and you know. I hope you recognize that and I hope you understand the power that you have to this hobby. Um, I, I sometimes think you don't. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think that's a compliment. <laughs> you, Thank you. You're mm -hmm. a very important person to this hobby, but that also means you are just like anyone else are able to shape how this hobby grows. And uh, I know you have your family. I know you have the podcast. I know you have cards. So like, you know, Shaping the hobby might not be a priority for you, but you do have that power. Mm. And I'm not going to say it again, but, <laughs> you know, with great power. Power comes great responsibility. Well, it does. Thank you. No, I, I appreciate that. I um, Someone once said something to me very, very early on in the days of the group, and I remember it, and I won't give the context. What did they say to me? And they said it, they said it kind of in jest. They said, heavy lies heavy is the head that wears the crown i think it was what he said and i never perceived my it just because i was in charge of a group so that's not giving myself delusions of grandeur but it's always been uh it was ne it was never my intention to to be 
that voice. So the fact that people find that, you know, my intention was always just to spread awareness of the cards and spread uh, different stories about the hobby and how people are enjoying the hobby and about people who are, in, who are interacting in the hobby um, in the hope that it will bring more people into the hobby. So, you know, if I can do that good, then I can sleep well. Um, you know you're doing something right when people are throwing rocks at you. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, um, I, I... People I, stoned. <laughs> yeah all right yeah people yeah people used to get stoned um very quickly and then we'll wrap up what have you uh what's what's coming up that you're that that you know having said that you know masterpieces 2022 might have been your off ramp is there anything coming up that does get your tail wagging that you are looking forward to or that you think will be something that maybe might be not asking to speculate here but maybe something that might not be blowing people's socks off now but when it comes out it could actually be there's two things um one is i don't know if a lot of people know but upper deck brought gene uh j-e-a-n i believe that's how it's spelled from arena design in-house oh wow okay so arena design uh was the originator of basketball of nba metal Yes. Um, and the original Precious Metal Gems for basketball. That's right. I've seen content where she's been interviewed. Yeah, the original. You should try to get on the podcast, actually. Uh, I've, I've been mean, It's on my list. <laughs> it's on my list. All right, get to it, Ian. <laughs> um, but she also uh, designed Platinum Portraits, Ambalaya, mm -hmm. uh, etc. She's in-house now for Upper Deck. So I'm really excited to see uh, what new inserts she designs for Upper Deck. That's exciting. She's one of the also one of the most important people in the space and incredibly talented. Yes. Uh, I believe her husband passed away recently, so RIP. Uh, oh. who, well, one half of uh, Arena Design, yeah. but house now and super excited for that. Two, um, all right, I, I hate to hype a product, but I'm super excited for Marvel Platinum. Um, that's it's it looks like it's going to be like a 200 card set if i'm remembering the sell sheet correctly with uh the low low series being um re recycled comic art uh but i believe upper deck has listened to the collectors here and i believe the high series is all original art here we go i've got the sell sheet here i'm just gonna pull it up yeah um and full disclaimer i have zero investment in upper deck i have zero marvel platinum uh cards <laughs> or cases on pre-order uh but you know i i think that is going to be an interesting set for uh mm. the, and from if i remember correctly i believe it might be a chromium set yeah i'm just reading it now it's um it, well, it doesn't say what the base set is but it says dazzling array of numbered parallels on chromium stock Okay. Um, I believe the low series is recycled art. I, I, I don't quote me and uh, definitely fact check, do your own research. Uh, and <laughs> I believe high series is original art. Um, yeah, it doesn't and, say which is which on here, but it does say there's 100 cards of original art, 100 cards of classic art from 1960s Marvel comics to the present day. Yeah. Um, and so then I, it goes into talking about parallels. Up the check, for 
a lot of different collectors, right? You have collectors who love parallels. You have love collectors who love original art. You can't complain anymore. <laughs> you can't be like, oh, well. Best you... of both worlds. <laughs> yes, it's the best of both worlds. And it's Chromium. Um, it, yeah. And it's got Bill Sinkevich, Ron, Ron Lim, and Mike Allred named as the original artists. Well, I'm... there's three of them. I mean, <laughs> and uh, to like. I think there's also other artists that people will be pleasantly surprised with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a great set. And it, I think currently right now it's even at an overpriced price point. Um, just because it seems like it won't be a, a short print run for that set. Uh, it's a big, big old set. Uh, but, you know, I think that will be a fun set for the hobby. And hopefully, hopefully a set where what beginning should have been, where a yeah. lot of people, uh, bases and bangers collectors can rejoice. Uh, and hopefully it gets its time to breathe and shine. Mm. Well, I'm I'm looking for I'm looking uh, there's there's so much to come and I'm still I'm still having trouble catching up with with everything that's been uh to be fair because uh, ultimately we we do live in a glorious age in that there is a absolute raft of product coming out left right and center so I'd rather have it that way than the other so it's it's not healthy I mean, both both like the delay and like, you know, shoving it down our throats is it both both is not healthy because sets don't get their proper time to shine. Yeah, and, they don't get their breathing room. And um, like, there's just not enough liquidity for all of this. Mm. Um, so it's it it's it's a tough time for the hobby. Uh, hopefully, it corrects out through sometime in the next five years. Mm. Um, I don't think this gets fixed within a year. It, it definitely doesn't. Like, no. don't forget that the pandemic was like minimum two years, and for some parts of the world, three. Um, and you know, for the world to the world outside of the hobby to correct, it, it will have a drastic impact on how Marvel cards shape out. I, so a fun fact: at the national, so I was in after the the panel. Um, uh, Amanda and I were invited to uh, an Upper Deck uh, Black Diamond event. Uh, Black Diamond retailer events? I believe that's what was. Diamond dealer. Diamond dealer event. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's meant for their Diamond Dealers and VIP. Uh, fabulous event. Uh, won't get into the details because it's not about showing off here. Uh, but what, what was my point? Uh, it, it was incredible to see the enthusiasm from Marvel. Um, it was it, it was super interesting to find that they're the biggest black diamond collection that I've witnessed is based in China. They don't have Instagram. They don't have Instagram. They're not on Facebook. They're not on any social media. Uh, they showed me all the pictures of the collector. That wow. whole collection. And they have borderline a master set of black diamond. What Marvel black diamond? Yeah. Marvel black diamond. I'm talking about like exquisite autos. I'm talking yeah. about twenty uh, threes, all the infinity stones, the biggest black diamond collection I've seen to date. Wow. Whether whether is actually the biggest collection, I don't know because I haven't seen, um, I haven't seen bigger, but maybe it exists. But the biggest I've seen, witnessed is that one, and I was like, "What is this?" And then the person showed me that uh, this collector has like 
man caves. I'm talking about like rooms of like Marvel and uh, you know Star Wars uh, and all all of this other collector's goodness. But they they collect cards and they're it's just vaulted, right? Similar to like Alan with Flare Ultra X Men. Similar yeah. to uh, how I look at my Marvel masterpieces, like and, and other collectors. There's uh, Stephen Frank with his Flare Ultra Spider Man. Uh, some of these collections just probably wouldn't move unless you know you make a life changing offer. Mm-hmm. And collection was just stunning to see, and it's in a part of the world that has been closed off to the the, the public because of the pandemic. And yeah, no, just no one on Facebook knows. <laughs> and I was just like, I was just like, wow, uh, that is fascinating to me. And like, I need to, I need to explore the world. Like I recently acquired a, a massive card, and it came from Japan. And Interesting. Uh, I'll show you offline after this. It, yeah, it knock your socks off. Uh, but this card came from Japan from a collector who collects sports, and we were able to come to a deal with sports cards, uh, a mix of a mix of uh, sports and marble. Nice. Uh, and I was like, "How did you acquire this card? Did you open this?" And he was like, "No, got it off another Japanese collector." I'm like, where are these collectors? <laughs> yeah, no, I've acquired some. I've acquired some good black diamond stuff from Japan. Yeah, it's very, just like, very good stuff. You know, so so interesting that like you know, this hobby is global. Yeah, absolutely. You can't really corral it, right? Um, it, it would not like Genghis Khan freaking bring all the Mongolians together. Like, there's one person who can do all that. I've never heard anyone reference Genghis Khan on this podcast before. Fantastic. <laughs> but one person who can bring this hobby together requires mm. friendships, partnerships, yeah. a, a think tank. And I would really want to see this hobby grow in the right direction. Mm. Uh, uh, because if it doesn't, like, it's going to be a lot of pain. It's, it's going to be like, why did I spend money on this? Like, Oh, what is this brand doing? What is this person doing? Like it sucks, and I don't want to see this become that. I want mm-hmm. this to be. I, I want as I want to see more Spider-Man collectors the same way I want to see more Duke collectors, right? Um, yeah. Meanwhile, in in Pokemon, you see that, right? Like yeah, there's yeah. Charizard collectors, but then there's also people who just strictly collect Leaf Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, in magic cards like oh i only collect uh blue cards or i i personally collect japanese foil lands that's what i collect in marvel i mean sorry okay. that's what i uh so each people can collect in their own way and they mm. don't have to be looked at as oh i'm i'm the best at this or i'm the top or i'm the king no it's just like i participate in the hobby and i love this stuff i i recently saw that video of um Aoki being proclaimed as the biggest Wolverine collector in the world, and I'm sorry, Aoki, you're not. Um, I I know, I know a bigger Wolverine collector. My Wolverine collection might be bigger, um, but it's just like that's such a crazy thing to say. If you, mm. and I love Steve, Steve Aoki. I think you know he's a super fun DJ, and I think he's great for the hobby. But it's like oh, he's a DJ. I I have no idea what he does. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I've noticed just so not on my radar at all. I, I, I think he's awesome, and I've worked with him professionally. 
um, th through my company, like we've uh, spoken with his team. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, like for this space to grow, grow in the space, I mean, the Marvel trading card hobby, there needs to be transparency, honesty, and just people who are genuine. Mm -hmm. And when like that transparency, like, uh, it's so much effort to flush it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eugene, not that you're performing monkey of any kind, but do you remember how I sign off the episodes? No, I'm not doing it, man. I can't. Not I, can't. <laughs> I knew you weren't going to do it. I knew you weren't going to do it. <laughs> it is. I fumbled it last time, not doing it again. That's quite all right. I want to thank you for bringing me on again. Um, thank you. I for don't, coming. uh, I, I don't share my voice on the hobby uh in too many public places but this is a place i feel safe and i truly respect the work that you do and how you've carried on the podcast uh even solo um and i look forward to the next time i'm on here hopefully next year uh around the same time and i truly truly love marvel cards um and i hope the space is in a better place this time next year Eugene, thank you very much. I appreciate you making the time. Thank you. And I, I, I've loved this conversation. So thank you. Um, everyone else, enjoy collecting. Oh, that's what it is? That's what it is, yeah. Thanks for listening to the Marvel Card Collectors podcast. Tasting notes and visuals for each episode can be found on our Facebook page. We're on most social media at the MCC Pod, And you can also watch the video of each episode recording on our YouTube channel. Leave us a voicemail via our home on anchor.fm forward slash MCCP. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms. Please take a second to subscribe, like, and review our show wherever you find us. Our Facebook community is at MCCW, Marvel Car Collectors Worldwide, and MMC, Marvel Masterpieces Collectors. The great music we use on our audio version is called Rocket Power by Kevin McLeod. Thanks to the collectors, artists and creators who support the Marvel Cards Fan Collective. We'll see you next time and remember, it's a small hobby but a fun one. Make mine Marvel and enjoy collecting.